Well, let's pray once again. Father, we humble ourselves before your word now and ask that you would speak to us. We do desire to listen to you. We don't want to listen passively. We want to listen actively, responsively, with faith, with prayer, with communion with you as we hear your word to us. May this not just merely be a monologue, but may it be a dialogue that as we hear your word spoken to us, that we would in our own hearts speak back to you prayers for help, for confession of sin, for trust in Christ, and for grace to obey what you have set before us. We cannot do this ourselves. We need the power of your Holy Spirit to live according to how you've called us to live. So we pray that you would give him to us in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as our brother Jim mentioned, we are moving in our series through the Ten Commandments to commandment number five which makes a transition in the commandments we are moving from the vertical to the horizontal as the first four commandments deal primarily though not exclusively with a love for god the second half of the commandments commandments five through ten really deal with our relationships to each other and really the, the, the they can't really be separated because loving god and loving loving others is really part and parcel of the same thing so but for the sake of clarification and and definition it's good to separate them out like that but it may be good to start off with why this commandment first as we begin to deal with relationships with each other why is honor your father and mother put at the top of the list for how we relate to our fellow man to our neighbors well the text doesn't tell us Ephesians or, or Exodus chapter 20 doesn't say the reason but I think we can safely assume that The reason why honor your father and mother is given first is because honoring parents is the foundation upon which love of neighbor is built. If you can't love your closest neighbor, you won't love your farthest neighbor. The parental relationship is the first and most important relationship. It shapes all the other relationships. Also, consider the issue of authority which is one of the main uh, reasons this commandment exists. It's not just about how we relate to our parents. It's about how we relate to authority in general. When we are rightly related to God, living under his divine authority, as the first four commandments express, then we will be rightly related to human authority. And the first place we encounter rightly related to human authority is in the home. Obeying parental authority is the beginning for respecting authority in general. If children don't learn respect in the home, the society will be chaotic. Augustine, that church father from long ago in the 300s and 400s, said if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? And the answer is no. So this morning we're going to take up this fifth commandment, honor your father and mother under three headings. Now kids, this sermon is for you. It's not exclusively for you because everyone in this room has parents. And so we're going to be talking to everyone in general. But kids, I especially want you to pay attention because you are uh, an object of this instruction. You're, you're an object of every instruction, okay? We don't forget about you. We love you. We try to reference you as being a part of, of our congregation here and listening in on the sermon. But this sermon especially applies, applies to you. This is kind of like your whole life now right? Until you grow up and leave your parents' home. But this is what God would say to you this morning, so please pay careful attention to this. And parents, I want to give a word to you first, because I know maybe some of you this week have been like, yeah, we're getting to the fifth commandment. My kids need some of this. Come on, let's get... Well, well, let me give you a word here for you on the front end. 
we need to strive as parents to represent God in the way we treat our children. Okay, you can't falsely represent God in your home and then plead for your parent, plead for your kids to honor you. Now I'm going to argue in a minute, they should honor you whether you're honorable or not. Okay, but we need to strive to model what we desire from our kids. You know, we, we love Ephesians 6.1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But remember, Ephesians 5.1 comes before Ephesians 6.1. Ephesians 5.1 says, imitate God. Amen. Imitate God. Let's strive to be like God, so that when we call our children to obedience, we give them a model for what we're seeking. We know that those under authority are required to obey their superiors, but it's equally the responsibility of those in authority to behave in a godly way. Remember Ephesians 6? Paul not only has a word for servants, he also has a word for masters. He says to servants, honor your masters. But he says to masters, honor your servants. So we need to strive to do that as well as parents. If we don't do that, we, we go come dangerously close to breaking what Paul says to us in Colossians 3.21 about exasperating or provoking our children. We must affirm them frequently, be attentive to them, and shower them with affection. We must provide for them. We must resist favoritism. We must repent and say, I'm sorry when we've done wrong. We must strive to not discipline harshly or unjustly. We must set them a good but not perfect example. Above all, we must pray for them and point them to Christ. So that is our responsibility as parents. But kids, let me say this as well. As kids, you are responsible to honor your parents regardless of whether they are living honorably in the moment. They will not always be, they will not always live honorably or behave that way because in case you haven't noticed yet, your parents are sinners. And they need a Savior. The same Savior that they are commending to you, they need. We need. I need. And your obedience to this command doesn't require your parents to live honorably for you to obey it. Sometimes we think that, well, my parents are treating me this way. I don't have to treat them that way. No, that's not the way it works. Our, if, our, if we as parents are living dishonorably, we need to repent before God. And if you are living dishonorably, you need to repent before God. We don't honor our parents' kids because they're honorable. We honor them not because they are deserving of it. We honor it because God's deserving of it. Listen, kids. Parents must be honored because their position is honorable, not necessarily because their person is honorable. You salute the uniform, the role, even if you don't agree with the person. The word honor means to acknowledge the weight of something. It implies that children must give a proper respect to their parents' position. It means to prize highly. Children must not take his or her parents lightly or think lightly of them. They must be regarded with great seriousness and value. They are to be given precedence, respect, and love. Kids, we must not despise or scorn our parents. So I've just given you the first point, okay, by highlighting some of those differences. Parents, we must strive to live honorably before our kids, and kids, your requirement is to give honor to your parents, not because they live honorably, but because the position of parent is honorable. 
So that's the first point, the mandate of honor. What is it? What's required? It's required that children render to their parents honor and that parents, by God's grace, strive to live honorably before their children. So the, most of the sermon then is going to be focused on these last two points, the manner of honor and the motivation for honor. So let's move on to the second point, the manner of honor. In other words, how? What does honor look like? What is it and what isn't it? Well, it may be helpful to focus, first of all, on what honor isn't. What is dishonor, in other words? What does it look like to despise or scorn our parents? I've got four here from the scriptures. First of all, we'll start with the worst. To physically abuse or kill your parents. Now, you might think, that is so far removed from my mindset. I just want an Xbox. You know, I'm... I'm, that's all I'm at. I'm not looking to kill my parents, okay? But, but the Bible puts that out there as a real possibility. And now, granted, it's an extreme, extreme possibility, but it's put in there because we really are that sinful. I had a, I had a good friend in, in high school. I won't mention his name, um, but he was a good friend. Uh, he, was, um, he could be quite the intimidating kind of person when I was growing up, but several years ago, just a couple of years ago, I read in our home newspaper in Louisville that he killed his mother. He, he took the life, and now he's serving, he's in jail now, but he took the life of his mother. And you might think, well, that, it happens, folks. That's what I'm saying. It happens, and you know it happens. Ex, uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 26, he who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. Verse uh, 20, Exodus chapter 21, verse 15, whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Now there, it doesn't so much put killing on the platform as violence, as striking, as chasing away. In other words, doing physical abuse, grabbing, choking, slapping, intimidating, those sorts of things would be evidences of dishonor. Secondly, to curse your parents. Exodus 21, 17. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 20. If anyone curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in utter darkness. And chapter 30, verse 11 of Proverbs. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. So this would be, I wish you were dead. I don't like, I don't love you, I don't respect you, I don't want you in my life. That is cursing your father or your mother. A third, to steal from your parents. Proverbs 28, verse 24, whoever robs his father or his mother and says, that is no transgression, is a companion to a man who destroys. So to steal from our parents is a sin. And Proverbs points out here that it's often thought by the kid that that's not a sin. And they owe it to me. They owe it to me. It's not a transgression. This is what the prodigal son thought. You owe it to me. Give me my inheritance so I can go spend it the way I desire. He didn't think it was a transgression. He came back and realized it was. Number four, don't treat them with scorn by insulting them or behaving disrespectfully toward them. Deuteronomy 27, 16. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father 
or his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. So this was to be something in which Israel, as a congregation, affirmed that honoring father and mother was to be primary. They weren't to physically abuse their parents, they weren't to curse them, they weren't to steal from them, and they weren't to treat them with scorn. As we get into the New Testament, we read other descriptions of what it looks like to dishonor father and mother. In fact, one of the greatest expressions of sinfulness in the New Testament is equated with dishonoring parents. For instance, Romans chapter 1, verse 30, disobedience to your parents is put in the same category as slander, hating God, insolent, haughty, boastful, and an inventor of evil. Within that same list is being disobedient to your parents. God takes it very seriously. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, as Paul begins to unpack some of the Ten Commandments, he says, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their father and mothers for murderers. See, Paul, when he thinks about striking father and mother, he thinks lawless. He thinks disobedient. He thinks ungodly. He thinks sinner, unholy, profane. That kind of stuff is profanity in the realest sense. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, describing what times will be like in between the first and second coming of Christ. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. See, that's where disobedience to parents comes from. Love of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. This is what life will be like, brothers and sisters, in this age. And Paul puts disobedience to parents as an expression of heartlessness, unappeasability, slander, without self-control, brutal, treacherous, reckless, all kinds of evil and sin. And then Matthew chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus predicted that this will take place as well. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child and children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. This is the kind of sin that characterizes our age, that really has characterized every age since the fall of Adam. So the point is, is that if we fail to honor our parents, kids and adults, it is evidence that we are out of sorts with God in the biggest and most profound ways. Al Mohler says, It's often said, and it is so clearly true, that our relationship with our parents in terms of the formative period of our lives will to a great degree indicate our relationship with God. Kids, listen to me. The eyes that you roll at your parents are eyes that you roll at God. The scoff that you make to your parents is the scoff that you make to God. The back talk that you give to your parents is the back talk you give to God. It is, relation, it is evidence of your heart toward God. Muller continues, We either come under the authority of our parents willingly, or we respond to that authority with a spirit of rebellion. Our response to our parents indicates how we will respond to our Creator. And kids, this is why we plead for you. It's not so that we just want you to 
It's not ultimately, okay? We want you to honor your father and mother. That's, in, that's scriptural, it's biblical, it's what God requires. But it's ultimately because we want you to be rightly related to God. Amen. We want you to rightly reverence and love and obey your creator. And you learn that by obedience to human authority. If you won't obey human authority, you won't obey divine authority. In other words, if you don't obey your parents, you don't obey God. If, if you are a lover of self and one who says, my way or the highway, it's going to be me, 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 that's going to translate into the rest of your life being, apart from grace, me, me, me. And we want you to learn in the home that it is both good and right for you to learn to live under authority so that you can honor God with the rest of your life. So, we've, we've described in many ways what it, what it doesn't look like to honor. But let me, let me highlight four ways that honor looks like. What, it, what does it look like? First of all, it looks like obedience when we're young. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Paul quotes the fifth commandment in the second verse of Ephesians 6. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, which we will get to. Verse 3, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So Paul says, listen, God said, honor your father and mother. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. He gets it right out of the fifth commandment. Obedience means that we do what our parents say while we are part of the household. It means saying yes. That's what it means. Yes, mom. Yes, dad. Prompt, cheerful obedience is a way to honor your father and mother. Son, could you sweep up the floor real quick? Yes, mom. I can tell you that that would sound amazing if you did that this week. Yes, mom. And I'll even let you cheat. Just a smile would be fine. You didn't have to say yes, mom. Yeah, sure. Just a smile. Even not saying ugh would be a start. Don't say, I didn't make this mess. As we often say in our own home, we clean up each other's messes because Jesus cleaned up ours. Jesus cleans up our mess, we clean up each other's. We don't just clean up our own mess. Aren't we thankful God didn't tell us to do that? So if you want to get your mom into one of her favorite lectures, try saying, I didn't make this mess. Oh boy, here she comes. You want to talk about cleaning up messes that you don't make? Sit down for a minute. We don't want to do that. Don't even go there. But that's one thing you can say. Yes, mom. Wow, that would be amazing. Do that, kids. Our children to be obedient to their parents in everything. We see this in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. We also see in Colossians chapter 3 that we are to obey our parents in everything. Really, everything, everything. When I was teaching middle school so often, kids were really good. Kids are really good at this, finding that loophole and just exploiting that loophole. So really, in everything, like if our parents tell us to sin, we're supposed to do that too? Well, no, Paul says that in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. We do it for the Lord, to the Lord, in reference to the Lord. If our parents call us, which often they do not, sweeping the floor is not a guilty, wretched sin. It's a request um, or a demand or a command, but it's not sin. So of course not, kids. And, and, and adults. We don't obey our parents in absolutely everything. Ephesians 6.1 restricts this obedience to in the Lord. But there are pathetic situations, and I call them pathetic for a reason, where children are asked to engage in things that are illegal, that are unacceptable, or contrary to Scripture, 
And if a mother or father should lead a child into unrighteousness, disobedience to the Lord, or something like that, then parental authority has been abdicated, and that child has a greater authority to, be, to obey, namely God. Amen. Acts chapter 5, verse 29, we must obey God rather than men. Believe it or not, the slave trade and human trafficking exists in large part because of parents. Because of parents. Parents who are unwilling to love their children enough to not expose them to those kinds of things. It's horrendous. It's terrible. We must never love our parents more than Jesus. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 says that we must be willing to forsake all for him. We must be willing to say no to father and mother if they are calling us to disobey the Lord Jesus Christ. But in reality, we know that's not mostly or often or even rarely the case. But it needs to be said. So obedience is the first way we honor our parents. Secondly, gratitude. Gratitude. Especially on a week like this, as we approach Thanksgiving, I think underscoring the importance of gratitude for parents is important. So let's read Colossians chapter 3, verses 17 to 21. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Oftentimes, we can fail to read the Bible in context, and we can just take verses out. And it's not wrong to take verses out. I'm doing that as I preached this morning. But nevertheless, we want to pay attention to what's going on around the commands. And you notice that what comes before children obey your parents and everything is that whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So if we are thankful to God repeatedly in everything, in whatever we do, submitting to human authority becomes a very easy thing. Because we are submitting to divine authority. We are recognized that from everything comes, God, comes from God, that I'm to do everything in the name of God, I'm to give thanks to Him always in whatever I do, in word or deed. If we are a thankful, grateful people, then obedience to parents or husbands loving their wives or wives honoring their husbands or children or fathers not provoking their children, all of that falls out. In, in, a, in, a, in a way that's con consistent with thankfulness. If we are not thankful, fathers provoke children. Children disobey parents. Husbands don't love wives. Wives don't submit to husbands. And it's all rooted in the, a, a lack of gratitude. And so gratitude is one of the chief ways we can honor our parents, kids. Think about this. Think about all the benefits that you have as a result of your parents. You have clothing, a home, food. You have ongoing care, medical care, physical care. You have provision. You have inestimable gifts and joys and pleasures and privileges in life. You know, I didn't understand this until I was a parent. You don't understand that the life of a parent is one of constant sacrifice. It's joyful. It's what we want to do. But it's a sacrifice of our money, of our time, of our energy, of our desires, of our sleep, and yes, sometimes our tears. We cry for you. It's an office, it's a responsibility, but being a parent is a great sacrifice. Kids, 
most of your parents' paycheck doesn't go to them. It goes to you. It goes to taking care of the basic responsibilities of life. One of the ways that we can show honor to those who have sacrificed so much for us is by being grateful to them and thanking them. So kids, say thank you to mom and dad. Say thank you often, repeatedly to mom and dad for whatever things that they do for you. Gratitude is a way that we can honor our parents. Number three, respect. Respect. Scripture views positively the tradition of parents leaving an inheritance to their children and even their grandchildren, Proverbs 13, 22. But because children expect that they will receive a parental inheritance, they can sometimes begin to think that part of it already belongs to them before their parents die. Consider the, prover- the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, or even the presumption of Absalom, who sought to take over his father's throne while David was still alive in 2 Samuel 15 to 18. So the point is, is that while the parents are living, the children must respect the independence and property rights of their parents and even be willing to forego the inheritance if that's what caring for their parents in old age will require. The parents are given respect. That is, they are given the, the, it, the independence that they deserve, the property rights. They are willing to, and kids are willing to forego that if it means caring for their parents in their old age. I watch my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law do this very faithfully with our grandparents as they made sure that their parents were well cared for even if it meant foregoing some of their own inheritance because they respected their parents and they loved them. Fourthly, support. Support. Mark chapter 7, verses 6 through 13 gives a terrible story of the way the Pharisees behaved toward their parents and the way they justified it in the name of, name of God. Mark 7, verse 6, And he said to them, Jesus responding to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it's written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We typically think that has to do with worship. It doesn't. It has to do with the way you treat your parents. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. You know when Jesus gave this weird illustration in the Gospels? I mean, what, what's, he's, what's Corban? What, what's, why, why is he talking about Corban? That's a, that's a name we give a boy now. I mean, what's he talking about? Well, it was some kind of honor or respect or support that was supposed to be given to parents. And one of the things that was happening was that instead of supporting their parents as they should, people were saying, well, what was my Corbin I now give to the Lord? Mom and Dad, I just want you to know that. Instead of helping you out, I've written a big check to the church in your honor. I've just killed two birds with one stone. I gave it to the church, and now I get to say that I did that instead of helping you. And Jesus says, don't do that. You've sinned. See, what happens is sometimes we can justify not caring for our parents in the name of God. And that's what's happening here. 
They're justifying not caring for their parents by saying that they've given a big check to the church or they've done something else. Well, I've dedicated that money to God. I can't give that money to you. And he said, well, convenient that you disobeyed God. Convenient that you've put the tradition of men above the commandments of God. We do that all the time. We, in, our, in our sin, we will find a way to disobey God's commandments. We will find a way around them, doing something different from them, and we, to uphold and establish human traditions. And he says, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Because you should not do that. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 4 and 8 says, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, there's not just one way to do this. Sometimes parents live with us for a while. There are good institutions, homes, and all sorts of facilities. But even if we utilize institutions, we don't abandon our parents, but should visit them often and provide prayer, emotional, and financial support. John Frame says the following, In short, nursing homes can play an important role in the life of Christian families, but children must take responsibility for determining how to use them in an overall context of love and care. Nursing homes should never be places to dump people whom nobody wants around. Rather, they should serve to supplement, and when needed, a broad relationship of family care motivated by love and honor. And it's been a joy as one of your pastors to see you older brothers and sisters do that so well for your aging parents. You've never outsourced them. You've taken responsibility for them and caring for them, and I just want to commend you for that. It's a way that you have honored your father and mother. You have utilized services. We all need them at times, but you have taken primary responsibility for ensuring that, you, that your parents are cared for, even at great sacrifice to yourself. So may God bless you for your love in that regard. Regardless, we honor our parents, the point is, throughout our lives. We honor them when they aren't pretty and they aren't perfect because that's how God loves us. Proverbs twenty three twenty two: Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. So that's the manner of our honor. It comes through obedience when we're younger and it comes later through various other ways like gratitude, respect, and support. Now, in conclusion, let's talk about the final point here, number three, the motivation for honor, and otherwise, the why. We've talked about the what and the how. Now let's talk about the why. I want to provide a negative motivation, a positive motivation, and a gospel motivation. First of all, a negative motivation. Think about this. Now, we don't live under the old covenant. We are not a theonomy where we have God ruling over us as a nation state. Um, contrary to what some people may still believe. We do not, we're not operating under a theonomy. But the, con- the consequences under the old covenant for children dishonoring or disrespecting or, or disobeying their parents, what were the consequences of that? Well, it was death. It was the death penalty. Exodus 21.17 and Leviticus 29 make it clear that those who strike father and mother or dishonor father and mother are to be put to death. Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21 spells it out in a little more detail about what this was to look like. Think about this. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them. These are good parents. They're, they're, dis- they're disciplining their son. It's not... These aren't crazy parents who are not paying attention to their kids. This is disciplining, 
striving to teach them to obey, but the son is stubborn and rebellious and will not listen to them. Verse 19, Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. Well, you say, why is that going to happen? Because they're dead. That's why. What do ravens and vultures prey upon? Carcasses laying around. So, granted, okay, we don't do this nowadays. This is not, we're not living under the old covenant in terms of a, of a nation state of Israel. But nevertheless, John Calvin says, nature itself ought to teach us that those who abusively or stubbornly violate parental authority are monsters, not men. Hence, the Lord commands that all those disobedient to their parents be put to death. For since they do not recognize those whose efforts brought them into the light of day, they are not worthy of its benefits. So, we, we, we don't think this. Because it is so commonplace for kids to mock parental authority and treat adults and all authority with disrespect, I mean, it's the air we breathe. It's the air we breathe. We're surprised when we see honor. Like, whoo, did heaven just come to earth? What was that? You hear that kid, he listened to his parents. I mean, Hollywood preys upon this impulse. I mean, where are you gonna, what, what hit show is going to be called Honor Your Parents? But nevertheless, we don't, we don't react to this, and we see this as almost like, wow, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? God's kind of mean to kids. I mean, they're just... No, we don't understand how monstrous this is. What a monstrosity it is for human rebellion to manifest itself toward people who love them the most. People who love them, lay their lives down for them, sacrifice for them, care for them, are hated by them. That's monstrous. These parents that are, that are bringing this child forward in the Old Covenant, Deuteronomy 21, to be stoned, are good parents. They're parents who are trying to restrain this son, who are, who are trying to care for this son, and this son is persisting in his stubborn rebellion toward them. So, but that's a, Listen, kids, that's to be a negative motivation. Even though we don't live under that covenant anymore, and that's not going to happen to any of you, nevertheless, it, is, it, should, it should show you the seriousness of that sin. That disobedience to parents is not some light thing, some trivial thing, some, ah, here, maybe, maybe I do it, maybe. It's a horrible thing. It is a hell-deserving sin for which Christ needed to die and for which you need to go to Christ as your Savior to save you from it. So it's a negative motivation showing you the heinousness of that sin and the consequences it truly deserves. Now, positive motivation, positively, because we don't want to just motivate you with threats, we want to motivate you with good things, promises, hopes. What's the provision in, in the fifth commandment and in, Matthew, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 that Paul gives? A long life. A long life. He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. It is. The first four commandments didn't contain any promises in them. But this one does, that you will live long in the land. Now this immediate, the immediate application of this was to the people of Israel, that when they got into the land that God was promising them, land of Canaan, that they would live long in that land. But nevertheless, the principle abides. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 3. Long after Canaan had been ransacked and there was no more promised land physically for God's people, the Apostle Paul told the children of the Christian church to obey this command that they, it may go well with them and that they may live a long life in the land. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16 spells this out in a little more detail. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you that the Lord, into the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Kids, you want to live a long time? You should. We all do. We want to live a long time. Well, to live a long time, it starts with honoring your father and mother. Now, are we to expect that every obedient child will live a long life? No. We, we see this happen. We've seen many, in, in some even in our own church, of kids, children, teenagers, young people who died early, who, were, who, were, who loved Jesus, who served Jesus. This is a general rule operating out of a general principle, not an absolute law without ex- exceptions. Some obedient children die early. Some disobedient children live into old age. Read Psalm 73. But generally speaking, the children who honor their parents will live a long and prosperous life, in no small part because disobedient to parents often results in a life that's marked by danger that may result in a shorter life than that of the obedient. A study in 2013 in the Journal of Children and Family Studies revealed the common sense observation that obedient children have better success at education, learn better work habits and personal relationship skills, take better care of their health, and have higher integrity and stronger moral standards as adults, which, guess what, results in a longer life. They stay out of trouble, they stay out of contact with the wrong people, and they live longer. And so obedience is such a character-developing discipline that it shapes the rest of your life, kids. It will enable you to live a long life if you obey and honor your parents. Finally, gospel motivation. Here's good news for all of us who are all disobedient to our parents. We all would fall with any realistic study under the condemnation of God as a result of our interaction with our parents. I know I would. But here's the good news. We have a Savior who was sent into the world to honor his parents, and he did it for us. Jesus honored his parents at the beginning of his life. Luke chapter 2, verses 49 to 52. And he said to them, Why are you looking for me? He said to his parents. Jesus at 12 years old, Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Imagine, God puts that story of Jesus at age 12 in the Gospel of Luke, where we get hardly any other information about Jesus from birth until ministry. We get this little slice of his life in part to show us that Jesus honored his parents. That's what's highlighted in this. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. He did what they asked him to do. And he did that for us so that he could be our obedient Savior. He could live in our place. 
And he did it at the end of his life. He does it here at the beginning. He does it at the end of his life. What did Jesus do on the cross in John 19, 26 and 27? He honored his mother. That's what he did. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that was John, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. He made sure that his mom was going to get cared for. Why? Because he was her son. He was her son. He didn't pass it off to John and said, well, John, you should do this now. He said, no, I'm setting this up. I'm not going to be here to do it. So you got to do it. You got to take care of my mom. And he did. So Jesus was concerned about honoring his mother down to the very end of his life. Think about that. He's bleeding. He's suffering. He's dying on the cross. He's under the wrath of God. And what's on his mind is that his mother be honored. He kept the law for us, brothers and sisters. He kept the law of God for us. We have hope that we can go to heaven because Jesus honored his parents at the beginning of his life and was submissive to them and honored his mother at the end of his life. Why did he do that? Why did he do it? Because he honored his heavenly father. That's why. John 14, verse 31. I do as the father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father. I love the father. And I love to do what the father asks of me. And one of the things the father asks of me is honor your father and your mother. And he did that. And through his obedience to the will of the father and death on the cross, he restores all those who trust in him to sonship into the divine family. We want to be in the divine family. And the only way we get into the divine family is through the obedience of of our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, so Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. He's honoring his father. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing and greater works than these will he show them so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one but is given all judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life he does not come into judgment but is passed from death into life i commend to you again our faithful savior let's pray father we are grateful to you that you sent your son into the world to live in our place and die in our place we confess that we would be justly condemned under this command of yours to obey father and mother to honor our father and mother as you would require We thank you that Jesus did it for us, that he lived in our place and that he died in our place so that we who come to him and trust in him and cast ourselves upon him and collapse on him and hope only in him, exclusively in him, find sonship and in your divine family and we are brought into your family once and for all. And so we are grateful and nothing but the love of Christ can constrain us to love our parents the way you have called us to love them. So we pray that through a fresh Uh, coming to Christ and a fresh appreciation of all that you have accomplished for us in the gospel, that it would compel us to honor our father and mother. For For the kids in our church who are sitting here this morning, that they would see their need for a savior as a result of their disobedience, 
they would come to Christ and find in themselves by your grace a heart that desires to love for the kids in our church who belong to you, who love you, who follow you, who have trusted in Christ. We pray that they would grow in their honoring of their parents. For those of us who are older and maybe have had parents that disappointed us and that we're not what you've called them to be and that sinned against us in sometimes really grievous, terrible ways, we pray that you would give us grace to honor the position to honor them, to love them, to, sh- to show gratitude where we're able to, to, and to trust you for all the wounds that need to heal there. And we, for those of us who had great parents who loved us and cared for us, we pray that you would help us to show them honor and care for them in their, in their, in their older age. And for those of us whose parents have gone on before us, we pray that their memories would fuel our obedience in this present life, that, that we would learn from their example, that we would thank you for all the good that we were able to observe within them, that we would seek to honor them even in their deaths by living a life we know that they would commend. And uh, we pray all this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.